Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Soprano. This is the 57th episode of the Tartan Talk series. Geez, we've done a, a lot of these, close to five years worth now. And joining us is Bruce Matthews. Bruce is the first third generation American Society of Golf Course Architects member we've had on the podcast. His grandfather, Bruce, designed dozens of courses in Michigan, and his uncle, Jerry, is also in the family business, and Jerry's even still doing some projects into his 80s. On this podcast, of course, Bruce is going to discuss his family and its role in Michigan golf, and he's also going to discuss some of the design philosophies, including designing to fit the business model of the respective course they're working with. But before we get going with Bruce, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting the podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a big supporter of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, Better Billy Bunker supports a number of industry efforts, including the work of golf course superintendents. So we're glad they're on board, and we're glad that Bruce was able to take some time to join us from Northern Michigan. Well, Bruce, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to join us. And the first thing I want to ask you here is, there are more than 850 golf courses in Michigan where you live. How many of those have you seen? It's, it's hard to tell. I've had a long, a long career here in Michigan, and uh, I think about half, plus or minus. There's, there's so many golf courses here, and a lot of them are tucked away. I do a lot of driving from one project to the next, but there's a lot of golf courses tucked away off the main roads, and a lot of uh, golf courses that uh, mom and pops are designed by non-professionals that you just you don't get to see them all. It's and it's fun to, fun to see them when when I get on them. It's, uh, it's we just have a lot of golf courses and they're just I can't see them all, but I'm I'm working at it. <laughs> How many would you say you have a personal connection with in the state of Michigan? Immediately, fifteen to twenty right now uh, as far as design and consulting or operations or ownership but uh, it used to be uh, in the peak of my career in the uh, in the uh, in the 2000 the late 90s and 2000s a personal connection at any one time about a hundred or so but uh, it's getting smaller as, as my career is winding down but I can go back any time to any one of 150 of them and walk in the door and feel welcome it's uh, a lot of fun just it's a it's a nice tight-knit business in michigan we at golf course industry are based right down the interstate from you in ohio and one thing is an ohioan and somebody that follows golf i've always wondered and have always been mesmerized by is how is michigan able to support and sustain so many golf courses it's the people of michigan uh, people that live here are outdoor people. Uh, we have a we have a large amount of lakes, rivers. We have the most registered boats equal to California. So it's not only golf, but we're we're outdoors in the summer. We're outdoors in the winter in the skiing. We really have a temperate climate buffered by the Great Lakes here in Cleveland. I'm in northern Michigan, and I bet our temperatures are almost the same right now. We get a lot of snow in December and February, but we really have a long season, eight, nine-month season for golf. We have the heated ranges in the, in the wintertime, and Michigan people are, are golfers. It's, uh, there was a demand for golf even in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and it just uh, just grew, and people, people like to golf here. They like being outside. 
What's unique about the land in Michigan, and, and is it a situation where nearly every site's different, or are there a lot of similar type topographies and sites that you've worked on throughout the course of your career? Well, in, in Michigan, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of water, a lot of lakes, a lot of rivers, and a lot of shoreline on the Great Lakes. And southeast Michigan is uh, Detroit, and about four counties down there is, is fairly level lake plain. Other than that, the rest of Michigan is rolling, and the further north you go, the hillier it gets. And if you want mountains, you can go to the Upper Peninsula. But the northern northern half of the state is uh, is really a wooded vacation land with sandy soils, which makes it very efficient for golf course construction. And it has the mild summer temperatures, and everybody from down southern Michigan, and sometimes we get a couple of Ohio people sneaking in, come up and play golf or recreate in northern Michigan. So it's really, really uh, the, uh, when you look at it, you've got Florida in the winter and you've got northern Michigan in the summer, and it's just how people are just translocating to have fun. But the land is uh, uh, very diverse, very wooded, and we've got our open spaces, and it's just it's just plain pretty, pretty state to be in, other than you get out of southeast Michigan. And a lot of people, when they think of Michigan, they think of Detroit and in that southeast part, but there's Michigan's a big state, and it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful state. Easy to put a golf course on it. Bruce, over the course of time, how many golf booms have there been in Michigan? And give our listeners a sense of the history of golf in Michigan, and when did it really become that uh, great golf state with an abundance of courses? Well, the, the, the first golf boom was in the 20s, and it, and it happened right there in the Detroit area when, when you had... Uh, Henry Ford building uh, Dearborn Country Club, and then the supplier of tires is, is Horace Rackham. He built his country club. Uh, a lot of the industrialists went and, and built their own clubs around that area, and it expanded out into the areas of uh, Lansing and Grand Rapids where there were some population centrals as the uh, Industrial Revolution gained, gained in uh, free money and then some free time. Um, but then what happened in Detroit is uh, Donald Ross had a lot of golf courses around Detroit when you look at it. And he's, you know, he had the Dearborn, Monroe, uh, Washington, Western. Then he went over to Kent and Grand Rapids. Uh, he had Grosseal and Rogel and Warren Valley in Detroit. His brother Alex was a golf pro. So his brother Alex was a salesman. So you got a lot of golf courses, of Ross golf courses, concentrated in Detroit in the 20s. The next golf boom really happened in the 60s, it was, uh, and the, it was big on the residential golf courses and, and uh, land planning uh, was really taking form with these uh, residential communities, and they put the golf courses next to the, the riverbeds or along the, the wetland areas where they couldn't build houses. So golf courses were built low, and the housing was built up on the buildable soils. Then we had the the, uh, the fuel crisis in the 70s, and that's when I graduated from college. Uh, that golf, course, golf courses weren't being built. Uh, didn't happen until, again, the mid-'80s when uh, the economy picked up. Golf started booming. That's when Pete Dye started getting into the business. Uh, Jack Nicklaus and Honor Palmer, Gary Player, were on TV. They'd been on TV for 10 years. 
or 15 years or so. But uh, that's really when it, that leg time, but people started to build that next generation of golfers. And then the, the boom happened between the uh, the boom of the 90s is just was uh, when uh, the larger companies got into uh, building resorts and the advertising and the money and the TV money, and it was very popular in the 90s. And we, uh, myself, everybody, all the architects, it's just you're just running from one project to the other. You couldn't couldn't not be busy. It was just uh, just trying to keep up. And then what happened in the 2000s here is uh, 9/11. I had three jobs going when 9/11 hit, and the only project that stopped all three projects dead in the tracks. Was, and financing was very difficult after that. And it's been a slow go since 9/11. So uh, those are the main booms. It's starting to pick up again now. The uh, last last couple of uh, four years, where the the economy picked up again, and there's been more interest in in uh, new construction and renovating. But it's been 20 years of, of golf slowing down, and we're just sort of waiting for the next the next push, I guess you would call it. But it's starting to pick up slowly. What's remarkable about this story is your family has been there for every boom and then subsequent down period in the state of Michigan. For our listeners that aren't familiar, just explain your, your family tree and your family's role in golf and Michigan golf. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well, it started out with my granddad. He graduated in 1925 and, uh, uh, from Michigan State University. Went to, uh, uh, went to work in uh, Boston and Florida when he worked for the firm of Stiles and Van Cleek. There's, uh, they're they're Work has included Taconic Country Club in Massachusetts and Tarpon Springs. Uh, my granddad worked with Walter Hagen at Pasadena uh, Yacht Golf and Yacht Club down in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. So uh, a lot of the compatriots of my grandfather were the early names in golf course design. And even when you look at the golf pros, he had worked with uh, Joe Cook Kirkwood, which not a big name now, but it was back in the 20s, was a tr- trick shot artist. The uh, the golf pros would go around and play on opening day. Walter Hagen would play on opening days of golf courses, and just that was more popular than the tournaments at that time. But uh, when the Depression hit, my granddad came up uh, and came home, uh, built his first course in Manistee, Michigan, uh, which I live two miles from. Uh, that's sort of fun. It's uh I'm on that golf course three times a week looking at playing on my granddad's uh, greens and that. They have not changed much at all since 1929, so that makes it fun. But then uh, uh, my granddad came along, and uh, he worked at the the Depression hit. Uh, He was at Green Ridge Country Club for 30 years as uh, the general manager and uh, did a lot of experimenting with O.J. Knorr from Milwaukee at that time. O.J. Knorr was one of his uh, good friends, and that's a, the big name in, in turf, uh, the turf business. Then uh, he was part-time designing as he was doing this golf, and then uh, went to uh, uh, design Forest Acres at, uh, at Michigan State University in 1958. And at that time, the golf boom of the 60s, was just starting. He went on, uh, resigned at Green Ridge Country Club, and did uh, golf course design full time again. 
and then my uncle Jerry was his uh, was got a master's in urban planning and joined my granddad in 1961. And uh, between the two of them, they worked through the uh, through. Uh, well, my granddad didn't retire. He never retired. He died at 96, and he was still working, which was fun. Uh, but uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry just retired, and Jerry hasn't retired. I take that back. Jerry, uh, in his 80s, he's working on a golf course right now. So that that is one of the fun fun things about this business. So you don't have to retire. Uh, you can pick and choose if, uh, at the end. Uh, but then uh, my dad was a hotel restaurant and. Uh, my, uh, my granddad designed Grand Haven Golf Course, which my dad and my family ran, which gave an opportunity for all of us uh, grandkids to work on it. And uh, that was where I got interested and graduated from Michigan State. I was a superintendent for a while and again uh, went into the design business. So then, you know, here I am. 35, 40 years later on the design business uh, when Michigan is our state. Um, my granddad was fairly local on the architecture once he moved to Michigan, and my uncle was, and uh, I am myself. It makes it makes it fun. There's, there's a lot of work in Michigan because there's so many golf courses, so there's always something to do. It's a lot of fun. You know way better than I do that your business isn't an easy one. Why has your family been able to have such longevity in the golf course design, construction, and maintenance business? We know the people. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we are local. Um, we've been in the golf business. My granddad started, he was the first president of the Michigan Turfgrass Foundation back in the 50s. Um, we, he was also a member of the Club Managers Association. My dad was a club manager uh, for for years. My cousin was a superintendent at Country Club of Lansing for years. Um, our friends are in the golf business. You know, I guess none of us were really smart enough to get out of the business, and all our friends are in the business. So when there's a problem, they a lot of them you know, just they just call us. We're there. Um, where we don't, they don't have to wait two weeks for us to get there, two days, three days, and we can answer their problem. As far as the design, it's 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 interesting as the as the business has evolved with all the environmental and uh, engineering situations. We worked, you know, I did early in my career. I I did all the environmental permitting for our golf courses. And that was when the state regulators was learning how to regulate, and we were learning what they wanted. So we learned with the regulators together. So they knew who we were, which made our golf courses easier to to get permitted and get on 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 site. So it's uh, growing in Michigan, and golf being the closed business that it is, and close business that it is, we're known here. Uh, if you look at my name and in uh, in Mississippi or Colorado, no one's going to know who I am. But uh, in Michigan, they know who who we are in the golf business, and they usually call us. So it worked out well. Worked even in slow times. So it, it worked. You know, we we've, we've been 
busy even in the slow times. We don't do new golf courses, but there's always a problem on a golf course if they've got an impact tree that goes down. And how do we change the strategy of this hole and what's going to happen? You know, do we put bunkers in? Do we do a, do a pond or something, something like that? It's uh, uh, we've always I've always got somewhere to go. That's that's fun. I've always got somewhere to go. So. What type of role has golf course maintenance played in your family's success in the business, and how important was it for you to get that golf course maintenance experience before you launched your own design career? It's interesting on my career because I always wanted to be, when I was younger, I'd, I'd travel with my my granddad lived right down the road from us, and uh, I'd travel with him once in a while on some days when he's out working on a, on a course, and I I'd always wanted to do that. But uh, I wasn't, truthfully, I wasn't the best student. I sort of screwed around. And I didn't want to put the effort in. I, as far as, uh, the, at that point, the landscape architecture program was five years. I worked on, uh, on the grounds crew at Grand Haven when I was, you know, when I was younger and, and brought up uh, on the grounds crew. So I went into turf at Michigan State. So I got a four-year degree in crop and soil science, went out and be a superintendent, which I was superintendent for 13 years. The, uh, and what that, what that was, it's interesting on that background because when you're, you're we just designed, my granddad designed for profitability. Uh, he built really nice golf courses, but they, he was very concerned that they had to make them had to make money, so he did not uh, put in a lot of features that would uh, that would require extra maintenance. And when I'm talking features like steep and deep bunkers and a lot of bunkers, he he built very functional, very playable, and very pretty golf courses. And that's really the background. And then uh, when you look at my maintenance coming in, I'm looking at maintenance and you know what. Uh, what can I do to balance um, the aesthetics, which means you have to, you know, the aesthetics are steep and deep and dramatic with a lower level of maintenance and efficient maintenance, which is less steep, and uh, just working on that balance. When uh, the uh, being a past maintenance uh, employee and supervisor, then I... Uh, I look at that, and it's very key into a lot of the designs I do. Uh, always looking at that all the way through the job, but still looking at, and a lot of the superintendents, when we're building something, I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, this has got to go a little bit steeper and a little bit deeper, and I, I look at the superintendent and say, well, this is what you get the big bucks for. We're going to go steep and deep on this one. It's, uh, it, it does make for a good golf course, so. so. This is the 57th episode of the tartan talks podcast and i have never heard anyone use the phrase design for profitability do you use that philosophy that your grandfather used yes i do yes i do on the public courses and there's there's uh on on the public courses you've got to they've got to be profitable otherwise they're not going to be there and when we uh, discuss with the client, we say, what are you looking for at the beginning of the project? And it doesn't mean that the golf course is going to be cheap uh, to play. It's at some points you're building, 
you're building a whole facility, and what type of facility do you want? And we designed to that. If I'm going to build a $35 golf course or design a $35 golf course, it's going to have less uh, bunkering, more economical uh, grasses, more economical sand. Uh, in Michigan, we can do a lot with greens mix that can make the cost of the construction much less than it would be in uh, down south or, or out, out west. Um, we've got a lot of natural sands here that we can utilize. And then on the, on the private clubs, it's a little bit different story. But uh, on the public, uh, I've, I've designed $30, uh, $30 entry golf courses, and I've designed $100 golf courses for greens fees. So in each one, it's looking a little bit different, and it's how do, how do we approach it from the original design. But we're always looking at it as we want our projects to be a success. And uh, if we can lead the client one way or another, and sometimes uh, the client gets a little bit uh, – changes his mind in the in the middle of it and we adjust from there but uh we try to try to try to guide the client that way you've seen the industry from every angle and your family's seen the industry from every angle whether it's as architects owners managers superintendents i mean how important is proper architecture and the proper purpose of the architecture to the financial success of a golf facility well, golf, golf is a people business, it's, uh, and people want to recreate and feel at home while they're golfing, and it's, you've got a limited time to, uh, with the people, they're out there on the golf course for four hours, so the main thing in, the, in this business is uh, the people in the clubhouse greeting the clubhouse and uh, getting the person set up, and then... And, uh, Having a staff that understands that uh, give you a cheer, cheers atmosphere where everybody knows your name. They want you, you know, feel welcome. The second thing is, you know, it's a, it's a clean and orderly business. Everybody wants to walk into a clean business, you know, clubhouse clean, equipment being clean, course well groomed, course maintained. They're they're out there for four hours, so they're looking at a lot of different aspects of the course. And then the last thing comes in is the well-designed golf course. They want to have fun out there. They want to have enjoy their company. They want to enjoy the the nature, and uh, you want a nice, fun golf course that's very aesthetic. And that's where you going back to the Michigan landscapes. We have very aesthetic landscapes here. If you give them a well-designed golf course that's fun to play, you can get a few more bucks out of them on the profitability end. So, but really, that's I, I think the the fourth thing in the business is uh, is I hate to say it, but we're fourth in line behind the people business, clean and orderly, and a well maintained golf course. And then comes design. Those are great points, and we're jumping around here a bit. But let's go back to the early stages of your career. What did you learn from working for Superintendent Roger Barton at Grand Haven Golf Club? And do you still apply some of those lessons today? I was 13 years old, uh, sanding T-markers in the maintenance building when my new boss walked in. That was Roger. Um, Roger uh, was very patient with me. Uh, I could, I was, he, he turned me into a goof-off, uh, into a hard worker without me knowing it. Uh, 
has a, he has a way of directing people and having his management style is, is so easygoing, and he can get he got more out of me, uh, my cousin Mark McGee, who also worked with him, than uh, than we know what to do. It's just his he had a great management style. What Roger Barton was also he's one of the leading superintendents in Michigan now. He's seventy. He's 80 years old now, and he's not really retired either. Uh, but Roger uh, uh, was a tool and die by training, and he's always looking for better ways to do the job. When I was a youngster there, uh, he took a Toro Professional 70, which was a T-mower, and they put greens mowers on it. And we had two of the original uh, Toro Triplex riding greens mowers, and they were Toro Professional T-mowers just converted to the greens mowers in the late 1960s. Roger wasn't afraid to try new techniques. Uh, he was a great grass grower. And he had, after he left Grand Haven, he had a great career at Dearborn Country Club in Detroit and Grand uh, Blightfield in Grand Rapids. And then he went on to construction of the Polecat. And then uh, at, I did Angels Crossing in 2005, and Roger moved down there. Uh, and did the construction. I had two years of working with Roger on the construction of Angel's Crossing, and uh, he was just just a very bright, easygoing, uh, super guy on it. And uh, he taught me just um, besides uh, when I was a youngster how to work, uh, just always looking for something new, a new way to do something new, better, new and better. And Roger was great at that. You could say, you know, I I had uh, my granddad, my dad, and and Jerry were big influences on me. But Roger was equal with my family on the influence on what I do and how I do and how I think. How many of your family members were on the crew with you at Grand Haven? When I was there, just uh, my cousin Mark, who's a year older than me, um, and and myself uh, were on the crew as, as far as relatives there. But uh, it, my granddad lived down the road. Uh, my dad was the club manager. Roger was the superintendent. My family, I had my brothers and sister. My brother and sisters uh, worked on the crew as they as they came through. And what was interesting is that my uh, all my cousins uh, had an opportunity to work on the golf course when they were kids. So we were, and my granddad and my dad uh, uh, and. And uh, and Roger, they were all very lenient with us. We were we worked and we worked hard, but uh, they uh, they taught us how to work. And you know, most of my cousins worked on the golf course, and and my brothers and sisters. So it was a great way to raise kids. Great great place. What does it mean to you to carry on the family tradition in, in the golf business? How much pride do you have in that? granddad started in 1925 I've got four more years to go and then uh, I want to be working in 2025 so I can say that Matthews have been in the design business for 100 years I also it also means uh, you know my cousin Mark uh, McGee doesn't have the Matthews name but uh, he's my uh, my dad's uh, sister's son 
but he's put just as much effort into this uh, this industry as as any one of us. And uh, he did. He's done a great job. Just retired at Country Club of Lansing after 35 years or so there. Um, he's done a had a tremendous impact on the the turf end of the business in this state. So it's uh, it's really fun with my my dad that was a club manager, my my cousin that put in so so many years at, as a superintendent, us and the design. We didn't have a golf pro. We all we all like golf, but we never had a golf pro in the family. But it's uh, it it I I do enjoy uh, my granddad, my uncle Jerry are in the Michigan Golf Hall of Fame. Um, it's just a lot of pride in what our family has done in this state. Are there any Matthews and McGee's coming along in the in the golf industry? Unfortunately, I don't think so. Uh, um, Mark's uh, Mark's son's an engineer, and his daughter's an engineer. Um, Jerry's uh, family um, they've uh, not uh, pursued it this way. Uh, my son wanted to do it. Uh, worked with me while he was going through high school. Uh, he went to Air Force Academy, majored in engineering. He wanted civil engineering, uh, but once he got out of the service, he found a job at, with an engineering firm and now can't afford to uh, be a golf course architect. He's he's doing too well. <laughs> so I don't think uh, I don't think it's in the cards. I think I'm it. So who knows though? Seth Rayner came through an engineering background. If if my son wants to do it, uh, he'd be very good at it. He he knew it. Uh, he knew it when he was going through high school. He worked right in the office with me. Um, and if he ever decides to do it, I'd, he'd be very good at it. So we'll find out. Hopefully in the future, but uh, we'll find out. He's down in Texas. He can show the Texans how to do it. <laughs> what type of opportunity is it when you get a chance to? renovate or work on one of the courses designed by your grandfather or uncle and how much responsibility and pressure do you feel when you get those projects i think it's no different than the original designers uh, such as ross or langford on some of their golf courses because i know what my granddad and my uncle have done um i know what i know what their style is um and uh, what I'm, it's basically my style. When you look at, at my grandpa's style, uh, he did the same 6,000 6, to 7,000 square foot green with a 1,200 square foot bunker flanking, uh, flanking the green on one side or the other, or sometimes both. And they had three or four bumps on the outside with contours flowing into the green. Those were his greens all the time. So that makes it easy. Um, Jerry's, Jerry did the same style with a little bit taller bumps and maybe another bunker. And uh, I've done, I've had very similar style with a uh, little bit variation. We've all had our own little variations on it. But uh, my grandpa's work and is basically I'm just carrying through with what their style and design with a little different flair. So you can pick out, you can pick out his work. Uh, like Manistee Country Club over here in 1929, you can see his greens there. 
are the same greens with a little different flair to them as he did at Grand Haven in 1961. So it's it's an honor to work on their projects, really, and that's uh, I try to keep. Well, what's what's Grandpa thinking here? And then and do a little work here and do a little work there, and uh, so it, it is an honor, and, I, and, you, and you try to respect it. Same as uh, same with the other architects where I work on. Ross courses or or Langford courses, you say, what are what are these guys thinking? What were they thinking? What would they do now? Sometimes I sometimes I think that, you know, well today is a whole lot different story with the way the equipment changed. Let's do something totally different in their style, as I think they would too. But uh, so it, it's quite an honor to work on on my family's golf courses. Do you have a lot of routings and books and plans that were passed down from your grandfather? Does your family have a possession of a lot of just physical materials? No. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. They're tough. To, they're tough to store. They take up a lot of space. I, I, I have a garage full of mine. I don't know what to do with them. I, 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 in fact, I uh, I thinned out mine. Uh, I, know, I know when when Jerry semi-retired, he thinned out. And what my grandpa did uh, back then, there weren't a lot of plans. So you could do a golf course with, uh, you know, with a with a master plan and then a drainage plan and a irrigation plan, and that was it. They and so there wasn't a lot of plans on that. But back in the back in the 70s and 80s, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, you started doing more and more. Now you do playing a lot more, but back, you know, so there wasn't a lot. Jerry uh, donated a lot of the plans that he did and my granddad did to uh, Michigan State University's uh, 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 library project. And uh, I've uh, thinned mine out, but uh, one of the things I've done is I, on my greens plans, we always did the greens plans with pencil and tracings. I've still got my uh, 11 by 17 tracings of just about every green I've done. So that's that's sort of fun to look back on that and you know that's what I'm saving for myself but uh, I don't know there's not a lot not a lot of plans have been saved we have a lot of Michigan State grads that listen to the podcast and read our magazine uh, what's your family's relationship with Michigan State like and uh, how long has that relationship lasted Started when my granddad was uh, president of his 1925 class. He was manager of uh, Michigan State's basketball team in 1925. So there's the start. Um, we've, he's worked with O.J. Knorr, which is the O.J. Knorr Libraries at Michigan State. That was a personal friend of my uh, grandfather's all the way through. Uh, my granddad worked very hard getting the Michigan turf foundation started and was the first president in the early 50s continued uh, uh, friendship with all the professors all the way through uh, early ones on Tyson uh, Tyson was the early one with my granddad my uncle Jerry uh, lived in Lansing um, I lived in East Lansing for that was uh, for the most of my career, I just moved to Manistee about four years ago. We've been friends with the uh, turf professors all the way through from the 1950s uh, until now. Uh, very familiar, very friends. I taught, Jerry taught at Michigan State. Um, 
golf course design and construction. I taught at Michigan State Golf Course Design and Construction. Our uh, our family, uh, my cousin Mark was a graduate. We've all graduated from it. All our cousins graduated from it. Uh, I think my son is the first one in line that didn't graduate from Michigan State. I, uh, uh, our whole family is green and white, except for my son. <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, uh, very close to Michigan State all the way through, and the people there. You know, just looking at all the projects you've been involved with, there are some clubs that you've been working with for uh, close to 30 years or even 30 or more years. Uh, how have you been able to keep some of these business relationships going on for so long? It's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, they're, first of all, they're, uh, they're very, very stable clubs. They're, uh, very, they they uh, have very good memberships, all of them. Uh, the one, the longest uh, longest uh, course that I've been at is uh, Cascade Hills Country Club, and it's it's very unique at Cascade Hills. Uh, John Barber has been the Greens Chair for uh, over 20 years, and uh, Superintendent Al Batham has been at the club since 1989. The Pro Emeritus, John Celestino and Adrian Jolie, and the General Manager, uh, Dana Carlson, they've all been there as long as I've been there. So you've developed that relationship and I guess when they call I go and I can call them and um, throw things back and forth there are these clubs uh, with, with such as Cascade Hills they're very interested in each project all the way through the project and very involved in it um, it's uh, very good on that um, the Railside uh, Golf Club I've worked with them. I did the original design with my Uncle Jerry in 1920, 1991. And uh, they've had two superintendents since that time. So it's been fun to go back and uh, touch the golf course up and uh, stay in constant contact with it. And that's the other thing when you're, um, that when I'm working with a club, you're, you're always, I'm always talking to them at, at different meetings or as I'm on the road going to one, I'll stop in at another uh, of my clients. And it's it's always just staying in touch. Um, that's really the key to the long-term clients is staying in touch and their, uh, the club stability. Uh, when long-term clients have long-term stability in the clubs, there's not a lot of changeover in personnel. So... But that's uh, but both the uh, it's both the club and I. It's the people involved in it that that have long term clientele and long long term uh, progress. Do these golf courses change a lot in thirty years, or do you do things to kind of make sure that they resemble the the way that they were like when you first started working with those courses? Both, both. If, on my remodeling clients. I try to uh, try to take what the original architect's style was and bring that up to date with today's uh, uh, golf course improvements and maintenance and golf course improvements with equipment. So I try to uh, try to keep it with that original flair. Uh, one such as Cascade Hills Country Club was original Jack DeRay design, and his bunkers were 
just big uh, round blobs of sand uh, originally. They weren't. There was very little character. So you know, back in '91, I did a bunker uh, program with uh, basically my style of bunkers, reducing the size for maintainability and and uh, just to have a little bit more aesthetics to it. Cascade those lasted. Uh, for 20 years, and then Cascade Hills, uh, the style on bunkers now is a lot of a lot more grass coming down into them instead of the flash sand banks, and that's what Cascade Hills wanted this time, so I remodeled my own bunkers in a different style. But it was with what the, the, the membership had done, a lot of study on a lot of golf courses, and that's what style they wanted done on this time, so it was, it was sort of fun remodeling my own work. Uh, and so in a totally different style. So, have you ever imagined a career that didn't involve the golf industry? Have you ever thought about what you would be doing if you weren't doing this? <laughs> yeah, uh, not much, but uh, uh, a conservation officer. That's what my dad wanted to be too. It's it's great being outdoors. My, I like to fish. I like being out in the uh, out in the woods. Uh, I'm uh, I just like being out in nature, and uh, I think I think the conservation officer business would would have been great. Just uh, working and protecting with the wildlife and being out outside all the time. Uh, but that's a uh, that's sort of a fleeting thought because I never I've always enjoyed doing this. It's. Uh, I have people that pay me for something I like to do. Right? It's. It's. Uh, it, it doesn't get better than that. It really doesn't. I. I do all this for almost free, if, but don't let them know that. I tell. I tell people the same thing about my job, Bruce. But uh, you, you kind of are a conservation officer as a golf course architect, though. There are a lot of conservation uh, philosophies that probably play into what you do. There. It is. Um, it's. Uh, it's an opportunity for people that aren't in the aren't in the country to see what the country's like. And when I'm looking at uh, at the the wetlands, the trees, I did a project with 300 uh, year old maple trees. We had a forester on there, and uh, I'm sorry, 300 year old oak trees. But they you're saying this this tree's been here since George Washington. You know, I'm not going to cut it down. I'm going to reroute this hole. And uh, you, you just look at it that that way, you know. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's boy, when you look at uh, you know where the bobcats were and the and the and the bear and at Elk Ridge when I'm staking the golf course at Elk Ridge up in Atlanta with for my uncle there, I look up on the hill and there's two big elk up there, and that's where the eighth, I planted a stake for where the eighth green is, and that's where I saw the two elk. So. I can, I can always go to the 8th Green at Elk Ridge. Well, it's closed now, but go to the 8th Green at Elk Ridge, and uh, that's where the two elk were, right in the middle of that green. So it's, it's a lot of fun being out in nature. It's evident from just chatting with you for the last 45 minutes that you love golf, you love outdoors, you love the state of Michigan, and you love the people in the state of the Mich- Michigan. How fortunate have you been to be able to do everything that you've done without straying too far from the things that you love. That was that was a, a decision I made uh, fairly early in my career. I, uh, I 
I talked, you know, it's my my son hit his first home run and I wasn't there to see it. So I said, I don't I want to watch my son uh, grow up. And I've got a job where I can set my own schedule. And it was uh I got to see most of what my son did growing up. So it was very special to me. I didn't miss anything that he did. It was because I worked in the state. I wasn't on the road all the time. I go to the with the architects conventions and I see my fellow architects and we talk and you know we compare notes and we compare stories and it's always fun to hear others' stories and and uh, and then tell my stories and uh, but I'm I'm very happy with what I've done without having to travel. Uh, I've had an opportunity after my son graduated where at Michigan State I got to teach in China for four four years for different terms. And you know, I went to Europe and did a remodel project over there. But that's that's not, that wasn't that was something different and so, sort of special. I'm really happy with uh, being getting out in the car, driving two hours, doing the work, coming back two hours, and that's a that's a great day for me. It's been a great been a great career that way. Well, Bruce, it was great to have you on the podcast, and and thanks for taking the time to join us, and thanks for everything you and your family have done to make the game of golf better in not only Michigan, but all over the Midwest. Uh, thanks. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. Come on up and we'll, we'll play golf.